0: Hi, I'm Pastor Brad Inman, and you're listening to the Orange United Methodist Sermon Podcast. We're a church in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, that wants to help you find your place in God's story. And we hope the sermon can guide you along that journey. Visit orangemethodist.org to find out more information about location, service times, upcoming events, and
1: ways to give. We hope you enjoy. We're wrapping up our study on all things new, our sermon series. And we're going to look at the uh, second part of Chapter 4 in Luke's Gospel. Pastor Adam's going to be sharing our message this morning. So I invite you to turn in your Bibles to chapter 4, beginning in the 14th verse, or to look on, online uh, on your phone, or to look at the words on the screen. But here now, God's Word. Then Jesus, filled with the power of the Spirit, returned to Galilee, and a report about him spread through all the surrounding country. And he began to teach in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. When he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was his custom. And he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, "The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. Then he began to say to them, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his mouth. And they said, is this not Joseph's son? He said to them, doubtless you will quote to me this proverb, doctor, cure yourself. And you will say, do here also in your hometown the things that we have heard you do, you did at Capernaum. And he said, truly I tell you, no prophet is accepted in the prophet's hometown. But the truth is there were many widows in Israel in the time of Elijah when the heaven was shut up three years and six months and there was a severe famine over all the land. Yet Elijah was sent to none of them except to the widow at Zarephath in Sidon. There were also many lepers in Israel in the time of the prophet Elisha and none of them was cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. When they heard this, all in the synagogue were filled with rage. They got up, drove him out of the town, and led him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built, so that they might hurl him off the cliff. But he passed through the through the midst of them and went on his way. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God.
0: Thank you, Pastor Corey. Good morning, church. I'm Adam Seat, lead pastor here. We want to invite any children that are excited to go out for CrossWired. Miss Diana is waiting for you in the back, and we invite you to go ahead and make your way there. It is good to be together. I mean, just being together in person, it just brings a different feel, a different energy, a different excitement. And I tell you what, this morning I was so embra- I was able to embrace the moment so much as we were being led in worship by our praise team. I'm so thankful for all those volunteers that that take the time to be here early on a cold Sunday morning, and they were here Thursday night to rehearse. And one of those, today was his very first time. Stephen, not am hoping not to embarrass you, but I'm so thankful you stepped out in faith. And first time getting up here playing bass today. Thank you so much for your con- con- contributing to that this morning. So... Make sure you let Stephen know how much you appreciated that as well. And if you've not had a chance to meet him, he's a great guy. So I'm so thankful, though, once again, as Pastor Corey said last Sunday, being able to worship online. And it was amazing the past couple of weeks when I watch the news and I see that scroll across the bottom. almost Almost every church in the whole area and all around was saying online services only. And I couldn't help but think, before COVID, that would not have been there. It would have said services canceled, and so because of the technology that has advanced us in churches here and in community all around, all around the world, even when we have a pause like that, we're still able to still find a way to be connected. And so, once again, as I'm saying thanks, I really want to also say a special word of thanks to Ryan Lutz, who is really the one that makes all of that happen. Ryan. last ryan would do that remotely but last sunday as it turned out there was something he had trouble accessing our computer here remotely so ryan had to brave those icy roads that weren't too bad last sunday but he was willing to risk that you know i I mean just to make sure that we were still able to connect and i'm so thankful for people that have a heart for god so much I want to make sure that we still are always able to continue to carry out a message of hope and helping others to find their place in God's story. We've got a wonderful church here. I'm so thankful for the ways that each one of you plays such an important part in that. With that, let's go to God in prayer. God of grace and God of mercy, as we come together today, we do give thanks. We give thanks to have a warm place that we can find shelter. We give thanks for the warm greetings we receive, where we can find fellowship. We give thanks for the gifted musicians that lead us in a time of praise, where we can find joy. And We give thanks for your holy scriptures, that as they're read and proclaimed, that we can find hope. And so now, Lord, in these moments... By the power of your Holy Spirit, would you transform the words that proceed from my mouth and as they fall upon our ears and penetrate our hearts, may they be changed into the word of God that we need to hear today as individuals and collectively as one body. Lord, we pray this in the name of Jesus and through the power of the Holy Spirit and all of God's people said, amen. Picture the scene, if you will. It was a Sabbath day. In Nazareth now Nazareth was just a sleepy town not really known for much of anything in fact in John chapter 1 we have Nathaniel who hears about this one from Nazareth and he says can any good thing come from Nazareth one has to probably imagine that was not the first time that those words were said and when that kind of thing is said about where you're from you begin to sort of take on some of that identity yourself And so it was a Sabbath day in Nazareth. But yet, it does seem that something good has come out of Nazareth. Word has already begun to spread about Joseph's son, Jesus, and how Jesus has been preaching and teaching and performing signs and wonders, and people from all around are hearing about it, and they're telling about it. and They are amazed and praising him. And so now, word has even spread that at the moment that he was baptized, when he came out of the waters, a voice from heaven proclaimed, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And so the people of Nazareth, they're probably thinking to themselves, finally something good has come out of Nazareth. Something we can be proud of. And you know what? He's come home. (laughs) You can only imagine that... As all of these things were being said all around, imagine what he was going to do there for his own crowd. I mean, if he's doing that for those people over there in Capernaum, wonder what wonders he's going to do when he comes home for us. Now, the scriptures don't tell us this, but I can imagine that that morning or that day at that time at the synagogue, I bet the doors were filled. The whole space was filled, overflowing crowds. People had heard, and on the Sabbath, for for the Jewish people, they would worship three different times. On Friday evening, Saturday morning, and Saturday afternoon, late afternoon. And I can imagine, almost in my mind, I just picture this on Saturday morning. I don't know why the scriptures don't say that, but I can picture on Friday night, they probably all came for worship, and they're thinking, hey, you know what? You know who's going to be here, right? You know who's coming tomorrow? I can picture it building the excitement and the enthusiasm of finally they're going to get to see and hear this one that they saw growing up. They always knew him as a little boy. They knew him when he was knee-high to a grasshopper. And don't you know they were telling all those stories to each other? They were excited and anticipating what Jesus was going to say and do. And, you know, I can picture that moment when he walks into the synagogue. I can picture the sound of all of a sudden people saying, there he is, there he is, that's him. Jennifer and I were attending a basketball game uh, in Durham uh, a few years ago. And uh, (laughs) former President Barack Obama entered. He was in attendance at that game. And when he walked into the arena, you heard this buzz building over. Everybody pointing out, there he is, there he is. There's President Obama. And it just this roar, this excitement began to build across the whole place. It was, it was amazing. And I can picture as Jesus walked into the synagogue. That same kind of thing. He's got his, we won't call it a posse, but we'll call it his his closest friends right there with him. And they walk in. And I bet people are saying, there he is. He's gonna do something today. This is gonna be awesome. And it's there so excited. Jesus goes up to the front, and the attendant pulls out a scroll from the prophet Isaiah. He hands it to Jesus. I can imagine the people are breathless, waiting for what he's going to say. And Jesus unrolls this scroll, and he finds two particular passages that he wants to speak to them that day. And standing before them, Jesus reads, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind and to let the oppressed go free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolls it back up, he hands it to the attendant, and he sits down. Now, In their manner of worship, the teacher would read from the Scripture standing up, but when it was time to teach, he would sit. And so he sat down, and at that moment, you know, they were nudging each other. Oh, this is it, this is it, this is the moment we've been waiting for. And the Scripture says that the eyes of all of the synagogue were fixed on him. I mean, everybody's attention is fully on Jesus And he opens his mouth and he says, today, the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. I bet in that moment they were just so overwhelmed. Yes, I knew it. I knew it. All the things that other people had said about him. It's true. I knew it. I knew it all along. And it says that all spoke well of him. And they were amazed at his gracious words that came from his mouth. And they said, is not this Joseph's son? You know, we can read that question in a couple of different ways. We could read it in the way of saying, really? Isn't, is this not just Joseph's son? But I think it was more like they were amazed at what they were hearing, and what they had heard, what they were expecting. Wow, is this not Joseph's son? How in the world is he filled with such power and authority? Because Jesus, he speaks to them and he tells them that he has come for five purposes. As he reads from the prophet Isaiah, Jesus outlines the purpose that he has come for. The mission of Jesus, as Pastor Brad spoke about it last week, he understands what his purpose is and knowing his purpose, he can live that out. And so he knows his purpose. His purpose is first to bring good news to the poor. And I imagine to the people gathered there in the synagogue in Nazareth on that day at the Sabbath, they were saying, well, we're poor. That's great news. He's come to bring good news to us. And then he said that he's come to proclaim release to the captives. Now, they may not have been captives, but I can imagine that they were definitely tired of the Roman authorities who continued to maintain such control. Recovery of sight to the blind. Well, I can imagine they were saying to themselves, he's going to heal all of us. Oh, my aching back is finally going to be a thing of the past. He is going to do these things for us because we're his people. He's from us. We knew him when. And so they're excited about hearing about this healing that might take place. He says that he has come to let the oppressed go free. And while they were not just oppressed by the Romans, I can imagine how everybody looked down upon the people of Nazareth. It was about time. Our time had come. And he says his last thing, his fifth thing that he said he was going to do is to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jubilee! All their debts were going to be canceled out. Family lands would be returned to their rightful owners. We are finally going to get back what is coming to us. I can imagine the excitement and joy that they are feeling as Jesus has read these words and now proclaimed that in the hearing of these words, this scripture has been fulfilled. Justice has been tipped in their scale, tipped the scales in their favor. By our boy Jesus. Can't you picture that? We're finally getting what's right because our boy Jesus. You know, it seems to be this tendency that we develop sometimes that we think to ourselves that things are going to go in our favor because maybe we know someone. You know, it's kind of like when you're watching a ball game and one of the commentators, maybe they used to play for your favorite team. And so you're expecting that they're going to comment in a favorable way for your team. Or maybe the commentator, one of the commentators went to the school that you're rooting for, and you're expecting, well, they're going to show us some grace, unlike so-and-so, another commentator. But inevitably, it almost always seems, right when you're thinking things are going to go in your favor, they go the other way. It's almost as if they're more critical or more difficult, and their words are harder to hear. A few years ago, my son Jacob had taken uh, the, the classes and everything to become a soccer official, a soccer referee. And lo and behold, one day he got assigned to referee for my other son, Aaron, his travel soccer team. And all the parents knew my son, Jacob. My boys were only, or only 20 months apart, so a lot of times they knew each other. And so all the parents and even Aaron's teammates were excited because the referee was their boy, Jacob. And Jacob's going to call everything in their favor. Every close call was going to go their way, they thought. They thought, I have never heard such vitriol from some of the parents towards an official until they were yelling at my son. They were thinking that, that everything was going to swing their way, but he was still just trying to call a just game. He was making the difficult calls. And the worst one that I still hear about at home at times is when he called his brother Aaron offsides, and a goal was disallowed. Oh, that one was terrible. People were frustrated because they thought they were going to get favor. They thought they were going to get an advantage. What they got was justice. And so, Jacob called the game as it was, not as they wanted it to be. And so does Jesus. Jesus speaks the truth. They want to see him do signs and wonders. I mean, they are the of Nazareth when they say Jesus of Nazareth. Well, Jesus says, you know, no prophet is welcome in his own hometown. Well, of course he's welcome, I'm sure they're thinking. He's welcome to do the things he's, they've heard that he's done for other people. He's welcome to do that here. But then Jesus specifically mentions two miracles that we find in the Old Testament. Two miracles that kind of made them a little bit angry, we should say. The first miracle that he references is a time that God sends Elijah to Zarephath in the land of Sidon to a Gentile land. And there he encountered a widow and her son. Elijah asked her to make him something to eat. And the woman says, I only have enough flour and enough oil to make one small bread cake for me and my son. And we're going to eat it and then we're going to die. And Elijah says to make the cake, to use the bread and the oil, and that it will not run out. And so, sure enough, in faith, the woman takes the bread and the oil, and she makes it up, and she cooks it, and gives it to Elijah. And sure enough, the flour and the oil did not run out. But lo and behold, right there in that very moment, her son dies anyway. And Elijah prayed to God, and God restored his life. But the thing is, these were not Jewish people. These were not people of the Hebrew tribe. These were people, these were Gentiles, those outside of what they thought was the family of God. And Jesus specifically tells this story, that while there was a famine in Israel, and even the people of Israel were hungering, God sent Elijah to a Gentile land perform this work and this wonder. Well, at this point, I can imagine the people were getting a little uncomfortable in their seats. I imagine that's not tickling my ears the way that I thought it would. And so Jesus doesn't stop there, and he gives another story, another image about how even though in the land of Israel that there was leprosy, there were lepers there. God specifically sent the prophet Elisha to Naaman, the captain of the army of the king of Aram, who was not a Jew. And Naaman was afflicted with leprosy, and Elisha healed him. And at that point, it's got to be overwhelming. This is not the release of the captives that they were expecting to hear about. This is not about the year of the Lord as they understood it. They were the chosen ones. And Jesus is talking about Everybody else, they were enraged. Scripture says that they they take Jesus, they take him out to the, the cliff, and they're getting ready to throw him off the cliff, presumably to begin to stone him. They are so angry at their boy, Joseph, I mean, Jesus, Joseph's son. They were so angry at this one that they have seen and saw him grow up who has been doing works and wonders and teaching with such power and authority that all the land was amazed at his teaching. And they were so angry, they were ready to kill him. Now, the scripture then tells us that Jesus just walked through them in their midst. I don't know if this was some divine miracle that he just said, peace, kind of like he does to the storm. Or maybe they just got to a point that they realized their actions were going so far overboard. Why are they so angry? Well, they're probably angry because of the same reason that sometimes we get angry when we don't get our way. We get angry when it doesn't seem like the things that we thought would happen have happened. We get angry when we, we hear the term justice, but it doesn't seem just to us. See, Jesus came for all people. Jesus came not just for the Jews, but for the Gentiles. Jesus came not just for the righteous, but for the sinners. Jesus came not just for you and for me, but for all the world. And I believe as followers of Jesus Christ, this mission that Jesus has said that he has come to fulfill, we are called to take up that mantle. We are continued to live out that mission that Jesus Christ came. And that means that we, as the people of God, we have been called to proclaim Good news to the poor. Friends, who are the poor in our community? Who are the poor in the world that we need to bring good news to? And how do we bring good news to them? Do we just go and we say, Jesus loves you? No. That's not what we do. We take up those next steps. We proclaim release to the captives. We set about helping people to be free to truly live being set free from those things that hold them in bondage, whether it is the chains of this world or the chains of addiction or the chains of the own hatred and self-guilt that we put upon ourselves. Jesus has come to set them free. And as followers of Jesus Christ, we are to take up a new thing. And we're to help people be able to be set free and to truly live. Jesus says that he has come to proclaim recovery of sight to the blind. And I think for us as his followers to continue to fulfill that mission, that means that we are too, to live out acts of mercy, bringing help and restoration for others. And he says he's come to let the oppressed go free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. I think for us that means if we're going to be true followers of this one then the world may get angry at, We've got to work for fair and just social structures. We've got to make sure that the whole world knows that Jesus Christ has not just come for this small group, but Jesus Christ has come to make a difference in the life of all the world. And we as people of God are called to live that mission out and to continue to fulfill that, to help others find their place in God's story, to help others know that they have been set free, to help people know that they are loved by God today. Let's take up the same mission. I think that's our purpose. I think that's what God has called us to. And if it means that the world may want to get rid of us, that we continue to trust in the one that delivered Jesus right through the midst of the crowd. Today, how can we live this out? What difference can we make to help all the world know that they are loved by God? And may the amazement that turns to anger be something that brings glory to God alone. Let us pray. God of hope, God of mercy, God of justice, God of healing, God of restoration. Today, may we take up that mantle. Today, May we too be willing to fulfill this mission to all the world so that the world may know the good news. They might be set free. They might recover the healing that is needed that they may experience the jubilee. God is people of God. There are times that we fall short and we miss the mark. But today may we be willing to do a new thing. Today, may we be willing to live life so boldly, sharing in this mission to all the world, that the whole world would come to know you as the one true God. God, we pray these things in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus, and through the power of the Holy Spirit and all of God's people said, Amen.
1: Thanks for listening to this week's
0: sermon. Please join us again next week. In the meantime, you can find us online at orangemethodist.org.